I remember being that young, being that inexperienced, I was just so focused on myself and not fucking up. I didn't really pay any attention to what the parts that you were playing or the parts that either of you were playing. It was just all about... did it, mate. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) No. Good morning, and in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to our listeners today. You have not started listening to The Truman Show, but in fact tuned in to the very last episode of Season 1 of the Back in the Band podcast. It's been a season of some highs, but mostly lows, as we and our special guests have let it all out, regaling stories of years gone by as dirty goths in our school and college bands. We've reminisced of a time when we couldn't give a shit about what Henry VIII did in history class as we took our CD Walkmans into school in year eight and got detention for listening to the official WWF soundtrack that just came in from HMV Online that very morning. So far, we've taken all you loyal listeners on a journey from Scout Hut practice rooms to sweaty tour vans, from men's underwear being thrown on stage to wearing women's tights on your head. We've covered a whole lot of ground, to be fair, but we've still got one more guest to come for this season, so episode 10, here we come. End of the season then, man. In terms of a football analogy... Where would you say we've ended up in the table at the end of the season? I don't think we're quite Champions League, are we, mate? But we're probably not in the relegation battle. Yeah, we've been hovering around sixth, fifth place, maybe very Ipswich of 2001. But it kind of reminded me of you being the Herman Horidison of this world, mate. I thought it was more of Gary Pallister, 1996, to be honest. But yeah, it's, it's not bad. The fans have been pretty content with the performance. They've had low expectations of the season. But the season's not over, mate, so let's give it one final push, yeah? Yeah, ropey intro. It's all going to be <laughs> shit very quickly, hasn't it? But, uh, quite like Chelsea's season under Frank Lampard, I'd say. Fair. Speaking of perennially disappointing Chelsea lads, let's introduce our first guest. Today's guest is John Phillips. For those listeners who don't know, we used to go to school with John and be in some pretty shit bands from school and college. But before all that, he used to be the kid who was always on the bench for our Sunday league team with his bright yellow boots. Playing football wasn't his thing, but it turned out that playing the drums actually was. John and I began dreaming of being in a band while we were sitting around in our bedrooms listening to loads of Zane Lowe's Radio 1 show whilst reading PlayStation magazines. There was only one problem though, we had no talent or ability to play. But that aside, I bought a very cheap, uncomfortable black guitar from Cody Music in Watford and John got a drum kit in his bedroom. And from there, our talent was pretty clear for everyone to see as we jammed hard in his bedroom. And by everyone, I mean John's mummy was downstairs cooking us dinner. And by jammed hard, I mean we played loud, awful sounds maybe twice in his room. Stu eventually realised rock music and band life was the way forward for him too. So we got him involved as our bassist and frontman and called ourselves Neural Distortion. And by the time we got to college, John and I started a band called Mora and played some of the best and most fun gigs of my life in and around bright lights of Bedfordshire. Even coming second, can you believe it, in a battle of bands at the Cork and Ball in Luton Town Centre. How many bands were playing, sorry? Um, I think it was two. And it was definitely, absolutely, 100% down to the fact that all of our college mates, who were definitely underage at the time, came and bought all their shitty Carling beer. Great times, but like Will Smith, we're now all twice the age and yearning for a Y2K world. John, great to have you on the pod finally, mate. First question, tell us your first downloaded music video on Napster or Winamix. First downloaded music video. Probably I'm a Slave for You by Britney Spears. Fuck's <laughs> Right, that was definitely not what we expected. Take a week to download it, but it's worth it. 
I just, he's right though, because I remember I'm, I was like, it's got to be corn. It was probably corn, right? Woodstock, no. No, to be fair, it probably was something like that, like the biscuit or. No, no, no. You, it was, it was the same. <laughs> <laughs> you had some mighty fine NTL broadband as well. Absolutely showed us up at the time. Yeah, no WH Swift dial-up. Let's go back a bit further, shall we? John, tell us your first musical memory. I mean, there was always music on in the house. Constantly, always on. Genesis, Phil Collins, Pink Floyd, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, yeah, all that stuff. Listen to that all the time. And then it wasn't until, I think it was Puff Daddy, Come With Me, which covered Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. So that really got me into, that was my first real, this has got me, this took me in. And then, so I bought that single, this, the section in Asda. Yeah, <laughs> remember that. So obviously we know you got into drums via your dad, right? But was there ever yeah. before that, were you ever like, yeah, I'm going to play a guitar and then you realise, yeah, I'm shit at guitar or was it always just drums? You know, before drums, I actually wanted to play the guitar. So one birthday, I remember I got this black guitar. I think it was probably from Argos. I think I maybe played it two or three times. So I was just like, nah, this is not for me. <laughs> just didn't vibe with it at all. Couldn't get on with it. it was just like, no can't do this yeah funny it took lee like 15 years to feel that, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. still persisting yeah so your first drum kit martin talked about it on the other pod you had the very same right was that your first one that like a tray the first thing i actually had was a set of practice pads putting them on the on the bed while you sat on the edge of the bed on a stool or something right i think so yeah that was it and then graduated to then getting the same thing as what martin mentioned the yamaha little electronic drum kit Nice. i got a question. We touched on the intro of my memories of how our band formed, but what are your memories of it? So I think, obviously, me and you, Lee, I was getting into like, Biscuit and Corn and that and playing ball tongue down the phone to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. On the landlines. Yeah, on the landlines, yeah. <laughs> and then, so obviously, I started to play drums, you started to play guitar. Stu was whiffy around the edges. <laughs> Took him six months. Yeah. <laughs> because because six months, he was still playing his keyboard, I think, having his little piano lessons. <laughs> you mock it, mate, but I played Happy Birthday on the piano in year two on an assembly, so whatever. Well, I don't know how it came to be the three of us. But do you remember, I didn't immediately get a bass. My mum had an old acoustic guitar with a hole in it. Obviously not yes. the hole in it, but like a hole around the back, and it was so <laughs> shit. I remember we were like trying to practice in your bedroom how you remind me by Nickelback and I was playing the bass on that and I think I was like yeah this isn't going to cut it is it I need to sound sick who was teaching you first John initially my old man was teaching me I remember once I got my kit set up I was yeah. obviously the first the very first song I ever learned was Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana obviously <laughs> which is why we ended up playing that first because it was like yeah. well I already know it so fuck it what that'll do Last four chords, we can get on with that. Yeah. <laughs> Left out the middle late though, didn't you, mate? Because you couldn't play that one. So, oh, mate, I've been that. playing for about three months. <laughs> horrendous. Did you, did you manage the solo? Yeah, yeah, but I'd never want to hear it back, John. I knew I could do the solo, <laughs> but I was. I remember we played that in front of all the parents, and I just remember playing that, and it was like incredible. Was, the feeling just of that was like, wow, this is awesome. I remember I was so excited at the end of playing it. I did some what would, must have been some awful, terrible attempt at some sort of solo which is probably just on the snare yeah which is probably just on the snare so uh, yeah i think that's quite an interesting thing so your old man was teaching you was there a point where he was like look i want you to be taught properly or you made that decision how did that happen because it was jamie was your first teacher right it was jamie jamie was someone that we knew obviously he 
he played drums. He was very, very good. Got on well with him. And that always felt a bit like an extension of sort of what I was what I was doing with dad because with my dad I'd say oh, I, I want to learn this song and I'd learn it he was he was self-taught so he learned by ear that's how I'd learn songs and that's how we do it with Jamie I'd take things to Jamie and say oh well, I learned this he would be able to just work it out by ear and then teach me how to play it and generally it was all sort of stuff that we wanted to play in the band or it was stuff that he would show me like Nice to Know You by Incubus or Adam Soul. I was going to say, is the things I think about drumming is when you're in a band, you start to realise how difficult it is and how impressive it is, actually, to be honest. But I was wondering, John, which drummers did you look up to or aspire to be? You, you know, So it's, it was the obvious, initially the obvious new metal ones, so John Otto from Biscuit, David Silveria from Korn, Jose Pacias from Incubus. And then I think you go on that journey, don't you, where it was initially like new metal and then obviously we got more and more into it. And then you start listening to bands like Deftones and Tool and obviously a perfect circle. So Abe Cunningham from Deftones, I always loved his drum sound. And, and, and thing later in life, as, as I still listen to them a lot, I've really come to appreciate just how they sound, their production, everything. It's, it's amazing. But I think probably the one is Danny Carey, the Tool. Yeah. I still listen to a lot of Tool. And even when you, it's almost just listening to him and, realize, and seeing how where he's come from in terms of listening to the earlier stuff and then the later stuff it's just incredible have you seen there's a drum solo video of him playing Numa on um yes oh my god it's like watching it just him on for like eight minutes or something if that had been available when we were 14 that would have been yeah you know, we'd have watched it every single day wouldn't we yeah incredible yeah 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 so tell us about your first band i'm gonna pretend like i don't know what's going on tell us about neural distortion was it yeah, Neural Distortion. So what was um, the evolution of Neural Distortion? Well, so it was initially it was just three of us. Did that first gig, played as far as like Teen Spirit, smashed it, obviously. Yeah, what are your memories of that? Oh, it's just, you know, I'm maybe absolutely shitting my pants, but what was it like for you? This is the thing I remember. Being that young, being that inexperienced, I was just so focused on myself and not fucking up. I didn't really pay any attention to what the parts that you were playing or the part that either of you were playing it was just didn't all work, about though, did it mate unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> no but I don't know, it's just again like you think you look back with hindsight and you think ah, oh, I wish I'd paid more attention to the bass and all of that sort of stuff just because that would have yeah. then made me better anyway yeah I was just so concerned with not fucking up that's what I did I just focus on what I'm doing what I'm playing because I also think, relatively speaking, your skill level was definitely higher than even by the even before college. Like your skill level versus the rest of us was significantly better. I would have said. I think also probably the tracks that we were playing, typically the drums were way more complex. Than Jonathan Davis just singing that he's blind. Do you know what I mean? Like there's way more at stake. Like you fall apart, that's it. As a drummer, that's it. Everyone knows it. Whereas if I sing a yeah. bum note, it's one of a million. I think a lot of that was to do with just how much I practiced at that time. That was I practiced so much. I practiced. I remember we had the drum set at school, and just a lot of break times and lunch times, I would just be in that room practicing. I remember doing that because I loved it. So from there, obviously, there was the three of us, and then things changed. Yeah, we brought on. It was just Ryan first, wasn't it? So we became a four piece. And I think is that when we did Trash at Christmas. Yeah, but I think is I think I remember that as being like I need to free myself up to be better on the vocals because I can't do both. 
Like, was that me pushing that, or was everyone else going, make your shit at both, like, we need someone? I think maybe that was always your the way. It was like, I'll get in here, and I'll say, I'll do the bass, and I'll sing, but really, I just want to sing. <laughs> yeah, and most of the frontmen we were worshipping at the time were kind of not doing bass as well, weren't they? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. Keep taking us on the journey, yeah, John. Take us on the journey. Ryan on bass, he, he literally had no experience at all, did he, playing anything? I think it was because we had this gig, and I think it was like, shit, that's in two weeks, mate. Can you buy a bass for 300 quid and learn to play... Waste? Waste Crying Shame. Thank oh, you. Cry, oh, our actual song, yeah, Crying Shame. <laughs> and for that, I just absolutely ripped off Falling Away From Me just the, the verse riff <laughs> on the drum. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you did your drum solo, which your kit fell apart, <laughs> and then at the end of it, you just went, fuck's sake, <laughs> some <laughs> shit, and just walked off. <laughs> I don't remember that. All right, where's he gone? Where's he gone? <laughs> All right, mate, bit strong. <laughs> I genuinely remember for that song playing drop D chords, but tuned up to E. Don't even care. <laughs> doesn't matter make some noise so yeah. yeah that was the beginning of year because then after that was when we played south luton high school which was fucking huge that was fridge that was fridge that was big, yeah. yeah fridge fest that was wild yeah it's such a big deal that you made your own mic stand for it paper mache i think i laminated the lyrics as well Wow! I definitely printed the set list out or put them in like little like poly pocket. I even remember like writing the sort of pre or the chat in between each song, being like, "Yeah," because I was expecting at least at least two hundred people. I would pay good money to see that. Okay, so then we played that gig, and that was in front of about seventeen people. I don't remember too many practice sessions. Where was it? We had that week where we got to set up in the dance studio and just practice. Mm -hmm. We were practicing in the dance studio over lunches somehow. Again, don't know how that got allowed because it wasn't even like the music practice room. It was just like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, really? I remember. Oh, you're right. No, you're saying that. I remember one vivid session where we played Be Quiet and Drive. Yeah, 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 exactly. Again, on the electroacoustic guitar, which is like, yeah. fucking what? And and I'm pretty sure through a bass amp as well. But I remember people being there and that would just make you feel like an absolute fucking rock star because you just have all the year eights watching you. It's like, oh, okay, cool. If you look back, it's basically like the end of Shikari video, isn't it? <laughs> it's like everyone was hooked into that room. Much better lunchtime, yeah. Absolutely wild. We, we forgot to talk about the evolution of the band name at this point. John, talk us through how the band name changed and why. Why did we rebrand? Oh, yeah, so we went from, from Neural Distortion. We ended up with Ira. We were like, let's rebrand it. I don't know if maybe it's just because we just weren't focusing on the music enough. And we're like, let's just keep changing our branding. It's all about the marketing. But I remember like I designed a CD cover and then a t-shirt as well. But I wonder if it was anything to do with that. I was like, yeah, but Neural Distortion too many words. So can we make it smaller? Because my GCSE graphics project needs a smaller it word. Like, it could well have been. Yeah. yeah so like one of, the, one of the peaks for me was when we eventually set foot in a studio for a while. And I just wanted to get to know what your memories of that and just talk our loyal listeners through how our terrible band ended up in a recording studio. I think it was through the school, wasn't it? Taking music to school, we ended up be able to record at the hat factory did we have to do a submission was it a competition internally because i think it was like between us and a flutist and we were like you fucking kidding me we had to do a performance i think to win the spot or something is that right there was i think like, our music teacher at the time she wanted to put forward this other person but did we both get to do it i think we i think both of us no sh no surely not unless she was doing a cover of zelda mate i don't want to see her fucking recording in the hat factory <laughs> <laughs> no man I, maybe i thought i think maybe that did happen i think maybe we both got put through to do it. I remember we had our own sound engineer. 
you got to do your multi-track vocals, Stu. I remember him saying to us, the sound engineer, he'd like <laughs> work with Kylie Minogue or whatever. And at the end of it, it was like, yeah, you guys know how to write a tune, boys. This is, it's got serious groove. And we were like, oh, I yeah. was definitely like, yeah, okay, cool. We're probably going to get signed right now. Yeah, because that was you heavy on the old zoom pedal, wasn't it, at the beginning? Heavy. No. Inspired by dial-up tone. <laughs> it did sound a bit. Looking at back at Neural Distortion, John, what was your favourite bit of it? It was a lot of corn covers, some stain covers, some good times, some bad times. But what was your favourite bit of it? Well, that that's definitely up there. Getting to record in the studio. I mean, the end of I think when we were in year eleven and we ended up doing the residency in assembly. <laughs> but for that week, residence. That was a definite highlight. Getting absolutely bollocked by Mr. Booth playing dig at eight in the morning when we were specifically told not to play probably the most rebellious I've ever been residency that was all around the same time man because I swear it was like a week right so it was summer I remember it being nice yeah. weather and I also yeah. remember we not in the dance studio in the drama studio for a week I fucking have no idea how that got signed off ever because we well, that must have been really close to our GCSEs and that was literally turn up on a Monday at whatever time first thing in the morning Set up yep. the place like it was ours. Right, we're going to put you your drum kit on a on those Ped, desks. Yeah, pedestal, yeah. Yeah, and even setting up a mini-disc player because it was like, well, if we want to play music whilst or we want to be inspired or whatever and we're recording, I don't know how without a microphone. But yeah. <laughs> And it was all week. It was literally... So that was... Yeah. If you think about the classes were on the back of that, weren't they? So all that building would have heard it. I'm pretty sure that I was... I have vague memories of like teachers coming in and being like, can you shut the fuck up? I don't remember. I remember it as being this amazing, incredible, just blissful thing that we got to do, like you say. And it did all feel like back to back. Like we had that week of just solid practice and then we got to go and do this awesome recording. And then we got to do the end of year concert. And then we were just all signing yeah. each other's shirts and finish it. And then we, we, know, we were going to go off and get our record deal. <laughs> How did that get signed off though? Because it must have been for an end of year show, school, but fucking you kidding me? I have no idea That's how we managed to So close to, to GCSEs. Like, if I, my kids had got signed up for that now, I'd be yeah. like, mate, all right, great, but how? Yeah. Do you think, John, we benefited from the fact that there wasn't that much talent of anything in that school? You know, let's give them a chance. Give them a chance. Yeah, a give us a bit of room. Going on. Yeah, yeah. Just to be fair, whether we were just that persistent and we just badgered all the time, but we did get to do, we just got to practice in the band and music. We got to get the keys to the room and practice at lunchtime and at break time as much as we as much as we wanted we got that whole week what was your worst memory uh, worst memory probably fucking up Adam Salt <laughs> and it being caught explicitly on camera my reaction to it I didn't even try to style it out it was just like that was a hard complex to though again in comparison you look back and like my sync my vocals are so off but it's consistently off so whereas yours is like one moment it's oh he's fucked it it's just like the drums thing, don't they? If you, you can't do anything, you can fix the vocal going wrong quickly, can't you? You just readjust and crack on. But Yeah, wrapping up, obviously, what would you give a young John a piece of advice for him? What would you say to him? Don't take yourself so seriously and um, just practice. Can't practice enough because um, I think I, I did stop practicing. Initially, I practiced a load and got decent pretty quickly, but then that's that all stopped. I wish I'd have practiced more, especially when I was at college. It's that thing though, wasn't it? We was aware of the jump to the next level. It was exponential. The amount of practice to jump up that next level and then again would like double to get again. It's not like an obvious step, but it was clear. Yeah. I remember before I went to uni, I was toying with the idea of having a year out and just to play drums, but I couldn't really justify it to myself because I hadn't really given it enough while we were at college. 
To be honest, I regret not doing that because at the time I wouldn't have made the most of it. I know I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, sure. And how do you quantify that as well? Oh, okay, it gets to May, whatever. Okay, no, this has been a success. No, it hasn't, like, quite clearly if it's a success, a a failure, but it would pretty much always feel like a failure, right? So, also, let let me give you another answer to that question. Learn to read music and have learned another instrument like piano or keyboard. I used to always give you shit about playing that, but I think that just having that awareness and understanding, I think, would have definitely benefited me because I could, I did, I was able to listen to tracks and work out what to play quite successfully. But I think if I'd have had that grounding, that other aspect of it, that would have really helped as well. Tell us what you got out of being in a band. What was the positives? What were the best things about being in a band in school? It gave you a bit of identity. It was a lot of fun. We were all so much into that music. It was just really great to be able to play some of the tracks that we absolutely loved. That was a lot of fun. I think getting to sort of imitate the people that we really looked up to together was awesome. Yeah. They're like covers bands are like a cover. We weren't trying to be a covers band. We're, no, we were just trying to learn. It was, it was exciting. It was exciting yeah. trying to play those songs and like, yeah, exactly. When you are able to play your bit and then you come together and you've seen all the work that everyone else in the band has done to learn their pieces and you come together and you practice and it gets better and it sounds, to you, it sounds like, oh, wow this sounds like I'm listening to the song to everyone else it probably sounds yeah. fucking terrible but that's a really powerful feeling yeah and you only you and the guys in that band feel that in that moment as well normally happened in rehearsals because gigs were few and far between and fairly rubbish but it was always in rehearsal whether that be like original track or a cover and you'd hit I don't know breakdown or whatever and you'd hit it and everyone would go fuck yeah you'd have that look you'd look to each other and you'd go alright sick That was that's why I'm here that's why I'm exactly yeah that's 100% And now it's time for our next segment that we call My Napster. All season, we've invited our esteemed guests, plus John, to share a track with us that holds a special place in their heart from their days in a band and to tell us why it's so meaningful to them. We want to know, did you buy it? Did you download it? Did you watch the video for it on Kerrang! or MTV2? Tell us what your track is for the My Napster Season 1 playlist. I'm going to go for My Own Summer by Death Tones. <laughs> because it's it's one that we played in the band i think it just epitomizes everything great about them you know like the driving drums the incredible deep heavy guitar obviously chino's vocals it's actually one track that i first heard on the matrix soundtrack like it features on that and i remember that was a soundtrack that was so varied and so cool like it had prodigy on there it had that amazing club to death track by rob d but it also had this one and that was one of the first sort of movie soundtracks so what was that, 99? But again, when I heard that and I heard this song, I was like, wow, okay, cool. Later down the line, we all really got into Deftones, particularly that album. And still am. Oh, yeah, it, particularly that album Around the Fur, obviously. And, and, and I still listen to them a lot. I think of all the bands that we were into, probably Tall Deftones in the Perfect Circle are the ones that I listen to most now. When it gets hot, when we get our first decent weather of the year, I always tend to put on that album Around the Fur, and that's obviously... Such a wild track, honestly. Exactly. It's a great track. It's a good choice. So it's time for the final Would You Rather 
John, you're obviously a loyal listener, so you know how this works, but we're going to need you to go into a bit of detail as to why each option we've presented today is a horrible choice for you. So would you rather be woken up every day by an alarm at 4am for 30 minutes straight, but not just any alarm, a loop of top loaders dancing in the moonlight? That's option one. Or a quite poignant end to season one. Would you rather have never had the experience of being in a band? I knew the top loader one was coming. Easy choice, mate. Go top load. I knew that was coming a mile. <laughs> I'm going to have to go for that one, aren't I? You've painted me into a corner. <laughs> so you like top loader? I not have so. I don't. No, I don't like top loader. <laughs> it probably won't last long because I'll jump out the window. Yeah, but yeah, no, I can't not be in a band. I think you'd come to <laughs> come to like it after a few plays, a few streams. No, honestly, a couple of weeks. I, I just absolutely. I, I knew that was coming. You're too obvious. <laughs> what like, don't you like about it? Yeah. You've got to tell the listeners why you don't like dancing in the moonlight. Oh, it's just awful. It's just all that foamy, cheesy, <laughs> just, it's just bad. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, I mean, you've left me feeling warm and bright, mate. So on that note, let's call it a wrap. Thanks for coming on, John. It's been fun. It's been 10 episodes deep. You've been the worst episode so far, but had to get it done. And it- yeah, had to get that. Had to, had to take that mantle for sure. Thanks for coming on, John. So thanks to John the Don for coming on to the final episode of this season. Obviously, a lot of shared embarrassing stories there, but yeah, really cool to hear stories from someone else's point of view instead of just what I remember myself of being 15 and in a pathetic band at school. I think so, yeah. It was good to reminisce. Like you say, hear a different side of it. It did take me back a bit as well. It took me back to his bedroom. <laughs> Jesus, what a weird thing to say. He did. He did have that sort of deep passion that maybe kind of encouraged us, I think. You know, it spurred us on a bit. It spurred me on, I think, anyway, and remember practicing so hard to not let you guys down. And I was thinking, is that something we haven't really touched on, actually? Is like, it's what encourages you, right? You don't want to let the other guys down. You don't want to leave the band or anything. You just do it as best you can and sort of feel like you need to learn a song or practice. I think also we were covering songs that generally you had a pretty good consensus of we all like this track. Like we all were into this. So yeah, you were doing it for the rest of the guys, but also you're doing it for yourself because you're like, I absolutely love this song. I want to do it properly because if not, I'm not doing it. And I remember we were definitely saying no to other songs because it was like too complex and it's going to sound crap. And I don't, it's not that I can't do it. It's yeah. like I don't want to do it disservice because we were so possessive over those tracks. Well, exactly. No, you know, we always we tried to learn like Be Quiet and Drive and it's quite hard to replicate that. I don't know what it is, drop C sound of Deftones or something, and you're like, and just give up on it, but you sort of then respect the song a bit more. You're like, that's actually, that's, no, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not accurate. And you got so, to learn um, the ins and outs of the song a little bit more. And then so suddenly, yeah, you to- I totally forgot about that. The minute you would learn a song, it would take it to another level for you. You wouldn't just take yeah. it at face value. You would just it changed the perspective yeah. on it. Yeah. Good listen. Good chat, as always. And that was season one with a whole 10 episodes of middle-aged white men talking about being in a band when they're 15. <laughs> Hopefully season two will have a lot more diversity and a lot less men's pants on Michael stands at the end of a gig. And at this stage, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to and watch out for the next few episodes. We're going to be reflecting on my Napster playlist ourselves and contributing our own choices, whilst reminding ourselves of just how much those early days of Winamex, LimeWire, Napster and iTunes changed our lives and made us the incredible musicians that you all love dearly today. <laughs> We're also going to be doing a special Back in the Band Season 1 Unplugged episode where you'll get to hear stuff that's never been heard before. Oh, you lucky devils, you. On that point, 
I just want to say cheers for listening. Lee's going to say cheers for listening. Add us all on MSN. We set to away, but you'll still be able to chat to us because we're actually secretly there. See you soon. I love you all. Goodbye. Goodbye.